0: I eat a fry every day this summer. Coughing on building sites. You know, now again we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing too. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been uh, there before and the pasta. <laughs> OTB AM. Live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app.
1: Football on off the ball.
0: With Sky, proud partner of our women's national football team. Out believe together, and we can go anywhere.
2: Welcome back to the football show We are talking to Pat in heaven earlier Who was waxing lyrical About how good Celtic were When he was at Parkhead At the weekend A 4-0 victory Against Rangers Lee Labada Scoring twice during the game Celtic could have probably scored A few more than that And he was saying He was talking to a former Celtic player Who said it was the best he had seen Since the Lisbon Lions Now is that an over exaggeration Or is Ange Ball that good Tom English of BBC Scotland Is with us Tom how are you getting on? I'm um,
1: very well. Yourself?
2: Yeah. Look, I don't know whether um, that ex-Celtic player that was talking to Pat on the way out of Parkhead at the weekend was maybe just engrossed in the win against Rangers and uh, possibly over-exaggerating. But how good is this Celtic team?
1: Uh, domestically, they're outstanding. They're great fun to watch. And they've been created in the relative a relative blink of an eye by Ange Postecoglou. Uh, he inherited a fairly chaotic club and rebuilt the team. Rebuilt the atmosphere rebuilt the relationship between the club and the fans, and he's done an extraordinary job. They're a very, very entertaining team. They're young, they're ambitious, they're creative, they're quick, and they're pretty lethal up front. But the ultimate test comes now. They've shown that they are miles ahead on Saturday's evidence of anything in Scotland. Um, you know, we thought after they have routed opposition that you'd expect them to route, you know, in the Scottish Premiership this season, we thought that the Rangers game would be a test, a battle of more or less equals. No, not a chance. They uh, they destroyed Rangers, and yeah, look, I'm not saying that they're. <laughs> I wouldn't say that they're the best since the Lisbon Lions. Frankly, I wouldn't know. Um, but in the here and now, they are massively, massively entertaining.
2: Do they even compare favourably, say if we're to look at the more recent history to maybe some of the teams that Brendan Rodgers would have had who also played very entertaining football a few years ago while they were on the run to what would ultimately stop at nine in a row or even thinking back maybe to the team of about 20 years ago with Henrik Larsson at his pump. Do they compare favourably to that?
1: Um, I'd say it's very early days, but I'd say they have absolutely got the capacity to get to that level. Uh, so, you know, some Celtic fans will possibly say that they're already there. Some say they have a, a way to go. Uh, I'm not sure anyone will ever get to the, the kind of um, iconic status of Henrik Larsson, but you never know. Uh, one of the greatest players ever to pull on a Celtic Celtic jersey, truly world-class. Um, but Rodgers' team, yeah. I mean, the, the Rodgers' team really was the f- the first season, the invincible season, was the best of the Rodgers' team. They were, they were very good, way, way too good for everybody else in Scotland in the in the subsequent seasons that Roger was in charge Rogers was in charge. But in his first season they were exceptionally good. Um from what I've seen of this Celtic team this season, they've hit marks that the Rogers team hit. They've hit the heights. You know when you talk about Abada and Kyogo and Jota, they have done things that Dembele and Scott Sinclair and James Forrest, those kind of guys did. Um the atmosphere at the stadium is the same uh, as it was under Rodgers in that first season, i.e. fans thoroughly enthralled to the football that they were watching and the manager who was delivering it. Uh, Postacoglu walks in water at Celtic Park. The man is, you know, he's a kind of deified figure now. and uh, And I get it. I, I really do get it.
2: Yeah, because there was, let's say, plenty of cynicism, Tom, when he first came in. This idea of a guy of Greek descent who had you know, managed in Asia, was from Australia. He was coming in, didn't even have the correct license to manage in Scotland when he was initially going to come in. And all that conversation about whether this was Celtic rolling the dice a little bit too much. But it would seem over the last 18 months or so since he's been in, it's not just been about the good recruitment, but also really good coaching and a very good tactical approach that has transformed this Celtic team who looked like they were really flagging towards the end of Lennon's time in charge.
1: Oh, flagging would, would, would be an understatement. Um, they, were in, they were in really poor order. Uh, the fans, an element of the fans were protesting outside the ground. The team came under uh, physical attack after one game, home game. And it was it was a real mess. Um, this is a club that was used to success nine in a row. They could see the, the 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 kind of sacred ten in a row disappearing in front of their eyes, and they didn't like it. And they went after Eddie Howe. Uh, Eddie Howe kind of messed them around for quite a while, and eventually told them no. And then Pasi Cogli comes in, and you know his, his track record. Everyone can see his track record, but we thought everyone thought. I mean, you know, if Celtic fans were being honest. A lot of them must have thought, "Geez, is this guy gonna? Is it going to be good enough?" But his first press conference, you thought, "Okay, hang on, this guy. This guy is different. He gets it. He had a command of the room. His message was very clear. Uh, he had an authority about him." And then we started to hear stories about what he was like in the training ground, what he was like one to one. You know, very impressive. He had a tough start because he needed players in. He had targets. He wasn't getting them in the door fast enough. But when that started to click, he brought in Abada, he brought in Kyogo, he brought in Jota, he brought in Matt O'Reilly, he brought in Juranovic, Carter Vickers, and a bunch of others, Hatati. And one after another after another have hit the mark. I mean, it's an extraordinary run of success in the transfer market. You know, Celtic sold Oddson Edward to, to Palace and Christopher Eyer to, to Brentford for a combined. Twenty-eight or twenty-nine million. Celtic, Postacoglu, has used that money and assigned eight players for the equivalent sum. Uh, nine, nine of the eleven that started at the weekend in the in the evisceration of Rangers were Postacoglu signings. Four of the five who came off the bench were Postacoglu signings. So he has done an amazing, an amazing job in in such a quick space of time.
0: Yeah, because Tom, that's, I actually was going to reference that, the, the volume of his own players that are already in the team now. And I'm just mm. sort of curious, like it's been this constant evolution. Like, what is your expectation for this European campaign now? Because you look at the European results last year, and I don't know how high the Europa League and then the Conference League was in their list of priorities. But, I mean, it's what, February is it? Bodo Glimt sort of turned them over. Yeah. But I, are we are we looking at a different team even now compared to sort of february you know what i mean in terms of the evolution yeah. of that group
1: i th- i think i think we are yeah um you know some of the japanese lads hatate came in maida came in in january um the team was still bedding down bodo was really poor The european stuff was was poor last season but i think this was a team trying to trying to get used to a new system a new manager trying to get used to each other so what we've seen this season is really um, and they won the league. You know, let's not forget it, they won the league, um, and we're deserving winners of the league. But we've seen since they've come back in, since all these guys have had a proper preseason, he's added to the squad. They look, they look the real deal domestically. This is the the big challenge and the big kind of exciting thing for Celtic fans, and for those of us who watch them, is how will Pasta style? How will this team that's tearing up the Scottish Premiership? Fair against the biggest of the big beasts, Real Madrid. No, no Celtic fan thinks, oh, they're, they're going to just they're going to blow Real Madrid away. But what they're fascinated is, can this team cause Real Madrid problems? Can Can Jota and Abada and Kyogo, who will be fit? He was taken off in the first five minutes uh, at Celtic Park on Saturday, but he is fit. Can they put a dent in Real Madrid? Where are Celtic at in terms of the truly big picture of the Champions League? And we're going to start finding that out uh, tomorrow night. Uh, even if they, even if they lose, uh, and they're obviously huge underdogs, they've got Shakhtar Donetsk, and they've got RB Leipzig. I think they'd fancy their chances of maybe second, certainly third. They would look at Shakhtar and Leipzig as as beatable.
2: Yeah, it wasn't the worst draw when you consider there were four seeds going into it. There were a lot better Ooh. teams in the uh, third pot particularly than Shakhtar that could have been pulled out. The thing is, Tom, we're talking to Pat Evan about their approach a little bit earlier on and he suspects Real Madrid come to Glasgow tomorrow, Celtic will look to impose their style. Sometimes Celtic have kind of sat back against the bigger teams in Europe, but he reckons Ange Postacoglu is very unlikely to change his approach even for Real Madrid tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, and I, 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 I totally agree with Pat. Um, See, pa- Pasta is not the type to kind of to die wondering. Um, and he would say, I'm going to send my team out there. Why should I change my style of play? Why should I tell them to be more negative? Because then I'll always wonder, well, what if I got them to play their usual style? Uh, what might have happened? He's not a what might have been guy. Uh, he's going to send them out tomorrow um, in the way that they normally play. And they're going to try and impose their game on Real Madrid, and see if it works. And if it does, then the ground will shake under our feet at Celtic Park. And if it doesn't, well, he'll have learned something. And he's a very good learner, Pastor Coglu. You know, it wasn't all sweetness and light for him last season, but he learned as as he went along. So I think, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see Celtic try and play this kind of swashbuckling, pacey, energetic, uh, hard-pressing style against the best and see what happens, and it's, it's really exciting.
0: Yeah, like I mean, just uh, in terms of the manager, like he just seems to have like a really strong personality. I know that's you would expect that of like mm. managers at that level, but just with the nature of that role and that job, and and sort of how demanding it is, like is that power of the personality? Is that what helped to get him through some of those sticky patches last year? That he never seemed, from our sort of external removed view, to be too ruffled at to any point you're covering the beat maybe he was but he didn't seem to ever carry himself in a way that wasn't confident
1: no the, the only time I kind of saw him and I wouldn't even say rattled I would say maybe mildly annoyed was right at the start when he wasn't getting players in uh, with the speed that he wanted them in and he had a couple of things in the media little, a few glancing blows against the board just basically to say can you hurry up you know and um, that's it. But once he got his players in, I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't seen this guy ruffled at all. He's He's got great presence. He's got great authority. Um, even when his team played, disappointingly, he's a great communicator. You know, he, he, he exudes kind of, I've got this, you know, in everything. In his press conference, some of the press conferences here can be a little bit testy, but he, he sails through them. And... Uh, he has a he has a real he has a real authority about him then you know you go to press conference and you want to be on your toes when you're talking to pasticoglin because if you ask a dopey question you're going to get it and quite right fair enough that's the game um it's he's he's been a breath of fresh air here um and i hope look i hope i hope celtic get a get a good result a good performance tomorrow because i think there is something my sense of this anyway is that there is something a bit special building here. There's a young team. Um, Posta Koglu is, looks like a, like a man on a mission. And the club is, Neil Lennon, I think did a, did a terrific job. Brendan Rogers did a terrific job. Uh, they're the ones who did the nine in a row with Ronnie Dyla as well. They won a ton of trophies, but this, this fella, he's, he's something, he's something a bit different. And I think really, really intriguing character.
2: Tom, if I could ask you about the hierarchy at the club because as Dan mentioned a few minutes ago and you've also alluded to as well, it seems that Postacoglu's been able to bring in players that fit his system. Is it a case of Ange Postacoglu who has the final say on signings? Um, who's making those calls along the way within the club when they dip into the transfer market?
1: Well, a part part of the malaise of of Celtic at the at last summer, you know, just after they lost the, the 10 in a row, but they appointed a chief executive called Dominic Mackay from the Scottish Rugby mm. Union. And he was there for, I don't know, a month, six weeks. Might not even even have been that. And then he disappeared. And, you know, people were saying, what, what's happened here? It was just a symb- symb- symbolic of the club, directionless. They appointed Michael Nicholson from within. He's a mainstay, uh, a great servant of the club, and... Um, and he's done a very effective job, very, very quiet, compared to Peter Lowell, who was basically, you know, he was a previous chief executive. He's been there knocking on for 20 years. He controlled every, everything about the club. Nicholson has been a lot quieter. And I suspect his relationship with Postacomdu is really, really good. Postacomdu identifies the players. Nicholson has done a terrific job in going out and getting them, spending the money, but spending it wisely. Celtic had became, become very, very scattergun. In the way they spent, uh, they brought in all sorts of players for all sorts of money, and it flushed it down the toilet effectively. Mm-hmm. In that in that last year, eighteen months, as they as they tried to get the the ten in a row. So Nicholson is a is a kind of very quiet but effective character in this whole Celtic kind of uh, renaissance. Um, but Pastor Comley was the man. I mean, you know, they, they, the fans worship him. It. It's 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 mad. You know, you have to kind of see it to believe it. But if the, if if asked players or fans to run through a wall, they wouldn't ask why. They just do it.
2: Yeah, because I kind of felt that Celtic bought very poorly at a time, particularly when Rangers went down the leagues. So it was almost like mm. Celtic decided they were going to sign players from you know rival clubs within the Scottish Premiership. And it was like things kind of didn't kick on when Rangers weren't in the top flight. I don't know if that's a fair analysis, but I felt like they bought very poorly at a time when Rangers were outside the Scottish top flight.
1: Well, they, they did and they didn't. You know, they they bought some good players around that time and they sold them on for for for, for a lot of money. Uh, and when their recruitment was good I say Van Dyke, when Yama going back a bit further, Kes young who they sold for six six million um there was Kieran Tierney, who was one of their own who was a kid at the club you know when when they were good, they were very good, and they were very good for a long time in their in the recruitment and it was like buy low, sell high excellent made a, made a lot of profit, but somewhere along the line. They kind of fell asleep at the wheel on that front. They started s- spending money four four and a half million on Albi and Ayeti from West Ham, three and a half million on Patrick Clamala, two strikers. Mm. No, no good. Uh, Shane Duffy, it's, it was just the wrong man, wrong, wrong city, wrong club. Good player was a, was a nightmare here. Uh, Vasilis Barkas, the Greek goalkeeper, spent five million on him, could hardly make a save. So it was one a lot of a lot of. Uh, loan signings didn't work out. There was a kind of temporary nature, um, leading into what what could, sh- should have been the ten in a row in the Celtics fans' eyes, but they didn't get there. And Costa Coglu came in and to clear out some some dead wood, and he had a whole team to sign—not a whole team, a whole squad actually—and it's remarkable. And this is the thing that everyone says about him: it's it's he's hardly signed a poor player. He's, his success rate is is astonishing. Um, this kid, Matt O'Reilly, he's 21. He lit the place up on Saturday. You know, Abada and Jota were terrific. I thought O'Reilly was man in the match. They got him, they got him from England. Uh, got him for a million quid. He's 21. And, you know, it's a steal. They got Abada for three and a half million. He's 20. He's scored a ton of goals. Jota, they spent money on. Kyogo, they spent money on. About 10 million for the pair. But they've They've repaid it. It's been terrific. You know, the, the signings have been have been really, really good. And they've been very much uh poster signings. Quick players, not just quick physically, but speed of thought. That's what did Rangers in many senses. Celtic were just quicker in every sense. Speed of thought, speed of movement, and then clinical. And they look like a very, very close group. So listen. They have a huge night ahead of them against Real Madrid, but they look a very, very together
0: team. I suppose, like Tom, I mean Celtic fans want to enjoy the present, but it's just an obvious follow-on from what you're discussing there. I think there might even have been, you know, speculation about Matt O'Reilly at the end of the window. I mean, look at the pulling power of the Premier League at the moment, it's ridiculous. Even Nottingham Forest, I think outspending, you know, all the other major leagues in Europe or like some sort of crazy stats. So unfortunately I hear you saying like they've got these young, talented players and you kind of feel you know, is the Celtic hierarchy going to be tested in that regard in the next 12 to 18 months when inevitably there's going to be proper interest to in these players from the league that's taken everyone from bigger clubs than Celtic even?
1: Completely. And, um, you know, if, if Postacoglu and the players do it in the Premiership and the Scottish Cup and the Scottish League Cup, I'm not sure anyone down south with, with, with uh, uh, serious money to spend is going to pay that much interest. But if they start doing it in the Champions League, it's a different story. I and mean, we're not talking just about O'Reilly and 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 some of the other uh, Celtic players. We're talking about Pastor Coglu himself. Now, Celtic fans will tell me to shut up at this point because you know they don't want they don't want anyone talking about their manager moving away. But if he goes, if he takes Celtic into uh, if he gets him in, uh, into the next round of the of the Champions League in the top two, in other words, then everyone's going to pay attention to him. I think people are looking at him already. I'd be surprised if they weren't. they would be a dereliction of duty if they weren't. But I'm sure they're looking at him going, okay, he's he's rebuilt this team. He's rebuilt it on, on relatively speaking, small money. They're playing terrific football. If he starts to make strides in Europe, of course, of course, people are going to be looking at him and people are going to be looking at his players. Um, Celtic fans will think, you know, they'll be praying that none of them leave anytime soon because they all believe that there's something something terrific happening here and I, and I and I tend to agree with them
2: Tom, to ask you about the blue half of Glasgow then? Like, aside from this 4-0 defeat, Giovanni van Bronckhorst has generally set up Rangers quite well away from home. They go away from home to play against Ajax on Wednesday in the Champions League. This is on the back of getting through, you know, a number of knockout games last year to get to the final of the Europa. A couple of penalties go a different way. Rangers could have been lifting a European trophy. They can probably write off last Saturday as a bad day. They've had a couple of bad trips to Parkhead in their last couple of trips now. But this Rangers team are pretty decent uh, going into that game in Amsterdam.
1: Yeah, I think there's a twin personality in the, in this Rangers team. There's the domestic Rangers, uh, who dropped eleven points dropped points in eleven league games last season. No, okay, it's all right dropping points to to Celtic, but they drop points to Motherwell and Aberdeen and and Hibbs and Dundee United. They, sh- they shouldn't be doing that. 11, 11 games drop points. That's a lot. Plus they got horsed out of the league cup by by Hibbs three one. So there's that Rangers, and then there's this other team who turns up in Europe and and beats Borussia Dortmund, um, beats Braga, beats Leipzig, um, goes all the way to the final, uh, and just loses, as you say, in a penalty shootout against Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, Nothing between the two sides. One penalty missed by Aaron Ramsey. So I'm still figuring out this Rangers team. They've lo- they lost two stellar players, Cal- Calvin Bassey um, to Ajax, coincidentally, and uh, Joe Rebo to Southampton. Two big players, physical players, great athletes. They missed them for sure. They have brought in a lot of new players. They haven't bedded in so well. Some have, some haven't. Cholak, the striker up front, has been very, very good for them. Tom Lawrence, who was missing in the Old firm game, uh, and they and they really did. They really could have done with him. He's be, He's been good as well. But there's still a jury's out on a few others. Like, Van Bronkers is under pressure now. Um, the Rangers fans, there's nothing that's going to get uh, Rangers fans irate more than a, a, a shoeing in an old firm game. They're now talking about the goalkeepers. The goalkeeper, good enough. The centre-halves. Why haven't they signed better centre-halves? Uh, the midfield, is it too slow? Is it too ponderous? Uh, Why they don't have enough? Ryan Kent doesn't offer enough. Young Tillman, he's not, deliver, not delivering in the biggest games. I think that's a bit harsh. He's only a kid. He looks a decent player. So they're asking all sorts of questions now. And at various times last season, they asked these questions too. But then Rangers went into Europe, turned over a, a, big, a big gun, and everyone think everything's cool. And it was it, that run in Europe last season was just extraordinary. And they've, they've done it again this year with PS, knocking PSV out, a very good side. So I'm I'm struggling to figure out Rangers. If would would I be surprised if they went to Ajax um, on Wednesday night and got a result? I wouldn't be. Nothing surprises me about Rangers in Europe. Nothing at all. But they are. There is there is a split personality about this team.
2: Strap yourself in. Two big games coming up: uh, Celtic against Real Madrid tomorrow, and Rangers uh, traveling to Amsterdam to take on Ajax on Wednesday. Tom, thanks, a million for joining us.
1: Pleasure.